Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast studios. And I'm bundled up. But it's not cold enough for my guests. All right, I'm just messing it with you. It ain't cold enough. It ain't. You all hear the voice. It was one of my favorite podcasts from last year. And coming back, I'm talking about like from birthday, the Capricorn vibes, the December, best. December. We rocking and rolling April from Good Cakes and Bakes. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And you so happy to be back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was definitely going to be fun because, you know, the first Detroit is different. We get into, like, backstories and stuff. And yeah. now we get to just jump into all types of, like, Afrofuturist topics on, and so go. forth and so on. It's like, what will be the desserts of the future? <laughs> That's what I like to know. <laughs> As long as cupcakes is not part of it. Hilarious. Hilarious. All right. So a lot is happening uh, this this past year. 2023, um, big for a lot of things throughout the city of Detroit. Uh, a second location for Good Cakes and Bakes. Uh, and also, I would say that signifying... A lot of we we kind of briefly touched on it, like post COVID businesses, small business, uh, the district of everything in the avenue of fashions, some new businesses coming, some businesses figuring out other things. It's just a lot happening right now. Twenty twenty three. It is. What was twenty three twenty three like for you and your business as far as what would you say like was a synopsis of what it carried? So for Good Cakes and Bakes, 2023 was a lot with growing pains. Mm. Um, Growing pains meaning that, as we were just talking about pre-COVID, post-COVID. So pre-COVID, we were like small family knit business. We had, you know, a few employees. Then during COVID, we kind of like exploded. Mm. We went from having five employees pre-COVID to up to 19 employees post-COVID. And so with that growth... With that growth so fast, we hired people and put people in places that probably didn't need to be in those places. And so it, when I say growing pains, it's because we had to figure out what was working and what wasn't working. And once mm-hmm. I figured out what wasn't working, more so after we opened the second location, a lot of stuff started um, becoming visible. So I literally had to go in one day and just fire everybody. Wow. Wow. And and that kind of brings up one of the biggest um, one of the biggest things talked about by people like on the like owner side. And, and let me say this also, like kind of like how the NBA now calls themselves like, what are they now? They're not they're no longer owners. They call themselves like commissioners of the team. Like it's a it's a nuance that I feel sometimes exists in the idea of how we look at business from like watching television and me being a kid watching DuckTales and Scrooge McDuck. Like people think the owners is like this grandiose grand poobah like that walks in. And in reality, in a small business, a lot of times the person that owns the business is a person that 
probably has done every task in the business. Um, really, it's 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 a very close bond to the interactions with the customer base too. Like yes. me, I'm I'm like a yes. like a weekly good cakes and bakes customer. You'll probably see me in there. So it, it's like you the customers know you. Um, the the people that support you know you. So sometimes you learn about your business from those people. Like hey, exactly. da, 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 and those da, da, da. people you want to so you want to learn from those people, but you don't want to learn from those people, right? Yeah. Because you don't want the customer to have to have that experience in the first yeah. place. But yeah. I also, I'm I'm so grateful that I have a great support when it comes to our customers who will reach out to me and tell me stuff. Yeah. Opposed to, you know how some people they they have a they they'll have ten great experience and one bad experience. And they'll go they'll go social media and post oh, yeah. it, give you a bad review. But the other ten times you've been to the bakery, it was wonderful. And this one time it wasn't and, and you and you knock us down for that one time. But we had some good customers who were reaching out and telling me like, hey April, I know you downtown trying to get downtown together, but Livinois is going to shits. Mm. And so and so I wasn't seeing all those emails because again I'm ripping I'm and running, running and, and trying yeah. to get downtown going. So then we had that when we were about to close for our break, I sent out email to give our some of our loyal customers a discount to get them to mm. pre-order their Thanksgiving stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And one customer went, wrote back and she said, "You know what, April? I've been coming to you since 2014." Mm. I love your cakes, but the last two birthday cakes I got was dry and mm. just was not up to par. So I won't be coming back until some things change. Wow. I was like, oh, wow. So then I just started diving into the emails, and I started seeing a bunch of emails and stuff. And I knew some stuff already because I've seen it and complained about it. But then when I got that, that really made me sit back and it really made me sit back and look. And I'm just like, you know what? I had these conversations with, with, with staff before we before we shut down for our break, and I'm just gonna come back with a whole, just come back and just, and I'm just gonna have to get back in the kitchen. And so I fire 85% of our staff. So let's let's talk a little bit about a couple things from that, because people know my business mind, and and this we're we're all looking in the same ecosystem, and these are some of the discussions shared by a lot of people when you're in that position looking for talent, yep. understanding uh, what exists in our market, and then also understanding like what keeps people motivated and. and and where where to grab that motivation in the day and age where like I often tell a lot of people from the outside looking in like yo this is a day and age where you may hire a person Friday at eight o'clock is their first day and by one o'clock they like peace I'm ready to go back to DoorDash yeah. you know like mm-hmm. literally like yeah, that's sure. that's a reality in the marketplace yep. um, so. Looking at that, also just knowing more of the context of like, oh man, I know why this system is broken. This isn't. How did you humble yourself to take in the constructive criticism and probably some of it not as constructive, but to just know, okay, I can tighten up my game. Yeah. So when you say criticism from who? From From some of the customers and reading those emails, because it's tough to sometimes get those critiques when you know you pour your heart and soul into this. But the thing about it, like I just said, I knew some of it. Mm. I knew some of it because I've seen it and I complained about it. Mm. And But I wasn't, it didn't, I guess it, it might be weird to say, but even though I was complaining about it, I wasn't sure if customers was getting the same thing. Because, mm. of course, I'm going to critique our stuff a lot a higher, level. higher level than customers. Um, but when I started reading those, and then it just, it, it really, it really did. It hurt me. It was like, God dang, mm. this is bad. And so I, I literally had to sit back. And so I don't. I'm not sure if you saw my video that I had put out, but I literally put out a five-minute video to customers, and I owned all of it. Mm. I owned all of the 
emails that came. I owned anybody who had a bad experience when they came into the bakery. I owned anybody who had a bad experience, their custom cake not being what they wanted. And and the reason why I own it is because regardless to the employees who, who made it, the employees who interacted with the customer, all that falls back on me. Hmm. That falls back on me on one way or another. Either falls back on me on who I hired mm-hmm. or the guidance and leadership that I gave them mm-hmm. or the leadership that I gave the people who I put in that place, that. The, man- the managements that I put in place, right? So it all falls back on me, but it required me to really sit down and say, what am I doing different? What do I need to do different? And so, like I said, I'm back in the kitchen baking. I still have bakers. I hire new people. But in the process of all this, I am getting my systems I'm over, I'm rechecking them and figuring out like what what was what was wrong with the first time that it fell that it fell apart like was it because it wasn't detailed enough mm. was I not giving people enough support the support they needed um, was I not was the training not adequate before I put people off on their own so I, I'm still trying to figure that out because I can't just blame it all on employees right because who somebody trained those employees and nine times out of ten it was probably me. Or a person that I put in to a leadership position, so I had to figure. I have to figure it out. So uh, I did not see the video, but now I'm going to go look for that because uh, being that transparent uh, t- also takes courage mm-hmm. uh, in understanding in this day and age of you know, especially through that form of social media. You yeah. know, the the lens of social media, we're usually sharing. All of the victories, right? We show only. It's like everybody is showing all the wins. Nobody talks yes. about the 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 loss, the failures, the mishaps. Nobody talks about that. So everybody want everybody mm-hmm. want to make entrepreneurship so beautiful and yeah. so shiny, and it is not. Yeah, it, it is not. It, there is there is some great wins, but there is also some hard some hard fails. As I as I say, and I definitely with. Uh, which same thing happened to me with uh, the Detroit is different festival. Um, the natural hair show was amazing. Like that came together. Perfect. And you even said like some of our people was in effect. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, yep. And I was like, yo, I got some tickets for you, but I'll be surprised if you wake it up. Right. He was like, yep, you right about that card. Don't and, uh, but, um, but the, the comedy show and the all woman hip hop show, it just didn't connect. So uh, just a stronger investment than I planned on making at a time when just in my business flow, it's like, ooh, you know, this is this is like my murderer's row. As I always right. say, I say Halloween to about St. Patrick's Day and independent contracting, how I offer services are you know what I say? Like usually the contracts will dip hard, so I need to like conserve where right. things go. Lean management. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and um, and, and it was good to, as I say, like get up off the mat for me. Um, I haven't felt that in a while. Uh, as I always tell people, the best lessons I've learned in business have been those uh, stronger investments, meaning the LL Cool J's. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. That's <laughs> it's like, oh, it hits you in the gut, and it'd be like, boom, yes. and it's like, mm-hmm. wait. I learned that, exactly. you know, it ain't like learning it in a book or some advice no. or whatever. It's like, boom, when it hits your bank you, account. That's what I said. When you learn it with your pocket, oh, you, <laughs> you, you take heaps of that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, you know what I'm saying? From from buddies to a hot and ready. That'll, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good analogy right that'll, there. Exactly. That will definitely be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't even get the crazy bread and sauce now. Nope, it's like, none of that. You know, so, um so I, I definitely taking that courage. It says a whole lot about your understanding and also your relationship with your customers. Right. Um, but 
in that understanding um, and moving forward, and you said even still learning process, what was your process to learn, okay, how do I tighten up process? So making sure that management, whoever I bring into leadership can be a leader. Mm. That was my problem. I put people in position to be leaders who wasn't leaders. Mm. They wanted the they wanted the leadership status. They wanted to be called the leader, but they didn't know how to lead. They know how they knew how to either they knew how to work or complain. Mm. So, and what I mean by that is that I rather do do it myself than show mm-hmm. a teammate how to do it and walk them through it. I just do it myself. Yeah. So now you're so now you're you're doing the work. Your team is not doing the work. So when you step away, your team don't know how to do the job. Mm-hmm. And so that's number one. Number two is is that if you don't know how to delegate, sorry, if you don't know how to delegate to to your staff, then you're not a good leader. Yeah. A good leader knows how to delegate. They know how to help find the best in they in their teammates, and they know how to train whoever they're training, right? You figure out what way. Everybody don't learn the same way. So being a great leader, you, you're you able to, if you learn visual, I can, let me show you how to do it. If you learn by reading it, let me, let me give it to you in writing. If you learn by doing both, I know, I, I know how to figure out how you need to learn so that I'm able to teach you correctly. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what a good leader is. And I didn't have that. So now let's just look at the, the, the marketplace of like, in Detroit itself, um, you know, in, in my block for anybody that's been over here, like 12th Street, Davidson, a lot of the folks here are people that would be in as, you know, some of this is like, I'm going to use the analogy, looking at things through a rose colored glasses, as they'll say, like Detroit has become more of a service economy now. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't necessarily know if you present it like that. It seems like it's by choice. I think it's somewhat by circumstance and some people have been thrusted into this and service itself takes a uh, it, it takes a, a love for people, mm-hmm. an understanding for people and an empathy. And sometimes the culture of our city, I mean, this is still a blue collar industrial sure. town uh, that that does exist. And, and in certain ways, service can be a little bit against that. I think we're very loving once we get those relationships going. Yeah. But till then, you know, sometimes you go in places and people almost mean mug you. And it's like, hey, you man, are, I just right. yeah. I just came in here to buy some toothpaste. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, And that's just true. But I also feel like that. So I, I, I can say that I'm not. Not, I'm not really a uh, people person. You're not as extroverted. No, yes. I'm not. But I know how I know how to listen and engage. Mm. So if you come into the bakery and if I'm working at the front counter, you will never be able to tell that I really don't like people mm. because I, I mean, in my in my position, I know what I need to do. And what I need to do is service you. I need to give you a great experience, however that is. I need to be able to know how to de-escalate if you come in and you're upset. Instead of going back and forth with you, I need, I need to know how to de-escalate you, how to bring the conversation back around to what it needs to be. And so I feel like that's the, that's the thing that's missing in service right now is people mm-hmm. don't know how to listen to what the customer is asking for engage and have a conversation with the customer to figure out what they want. Because most time people kind of break it down on what they want. Mm-hmm. I have a few people like you come in, you know exactly what you want. Yes. But if you're good, if you're, if you're good and caring about what you're doing, you're able to even get you, the person who comes in there, know, 
know exactly what they want, you still able you you able to right yeah. have a conversation with that person, figure out the things they like, or if you just pay attention to see the things that they get when they come in, something new come out when they come in, you be like, oh, I know you come in for this mm-hmm. vegan brownie curry, but let me tell you about this cookie I got over here. Mm-hmm. You know that comes that comes with a a care. Mm-hmm. A care about service to your customers. A care about giving giving your customers an experience that they're not getting no place else. Because that's the only thing that gets your customers to come back to you is for you to give them an experience that's going to make them come out of their way to come to you. It's interesting you bring up experiences. This was a discussion I was having with uh, one of my closest friends, Mike uh, Willingham. Uh, that's an artist and we do a lot of different business things together and we were just talking about in that same thing I'm packing my events I was like I didn't have enough of an experience in both those events whereas the hair show has more of an experience and I do think that that's what people are looking for when they're spending their money now as you know pockets are getting tighter for everybody so I want an experience even if it's you know even if I'm just going to the lemonade stand there you go I want an experience when I come there because I want I want to feel like you not only do you appreciate my you appreciate me coming to my my service but I want to know that the money that I'm spending is worth it right meaning that like we said money is tight people um, inflation people's hours are being cut Mm -hmm. money is tight so I want to be. I want people want to feel good when they spend their money. Yeah. You don't want to spend your money and then be go home and regret it. Like, dang, I knew I shouldn't have brought that. You don't want that, right? You want to be able to go into some place and when you leave out of there or while you there, you you like, dang, this was well worth it. This was worth it. No regrets at all. And so that's what I want our customers. I want because every customer to come to us is going out their way to come over to us. Mm. It's we have it's far. In between that, it's just people in the neighborhood that's coming, right? Most of our cu- customers travel to get to us, mm-hmm. and I don't want nobody to travel to get to us and then regret it because now I'm not going. I'm not going to travel no more, right? Yeah. I have people who come to me from Chesterfield, mm. and they come over there and they come in there and then you giving them wrong information, or you don't have what they want. Yeah. And not that you don't have it, you just ain't took the time to cut it and put it out yet. Yeah. And so now you just say no to the customer. Don't try and engage them and see if it's something else you can get them. You just give them that blank. Nope, I ain't got it. Mm-hmm. You think that customer, they're going to think long and hard before they get in their car and you burn up their gas to come down to Good Cakes and Bakes to get something again. Yeah, that's deep. And, and within this, um, I guess kind of going back to that talent pool and what does exist. And it's not just that, you know, schools and things I, I think the internet has a whole lot to do with mm-hmm. it attention span just a lot of things culture has changed definitely uh the 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 days of like it's funny as you mentioned bakeries and things like that just in this discussion i remember not far from here my my grandma used to always go to the sanders uh bakery that is it was on oakman boulevard and like Hamilton, basically, and uh, it was connected to, like, their whole factory and stuff, but we would go, she would get, um, you know, uh, like, the tea cakes Mm -hmm. and always, like, a caramel cake and different things like that, but consistently knowing what would be there, and then even some of the other bakeries, Hamtramck sometimes, um, and having that relationship with that customer base, knowing what was needed, Mm -hmm. uh, it becoming more communal. I remember that from a child, just from that yeah. exchange there, mm-hmm. and making sure that it was stocked, or you had alternatives in that communication. Things aren't where they are all the time. So if people are, I guess I would say, um, 
how how do you work with a person that's looking for because it's the other thing i'm looking for a job right how do you take that person looking for a job and turn them into a person that can successfully work in your operation in your process and as much as i'm saying your process and your operation this could be good cakes and bakes it could be detroit is different it could be it's wherever any, any thousands of business in the city of Detroit. And it used to be that it was pay, right? Pay pay a person well enough and, and you and they're good. Now it's it's more than that again, you it's about the experience. Yeah. You have to give them a good experience as well because it's no longer just about pay because I feel like we pay our employees good. We give them health insurance. We give them paid time off. Like my day off right now for two and a half weeks. They're being paid for that two and a half weeks off. Um, but it's more than just that. It is, you have, there has to, I feel like there has to be an experience, meaning that they have to feel appreciated. Mm. Um, you have to work around their schedule. Mm-hmm. You have to offer more than just pay. There has to be something else, some other type of experience that they're getting. Like for us, it is that once or twice a week, I buy, I buy lunch for everybody in the bakery. Oh, that's There's, cool. You know, it's just, it's something other than, there has to be something that they're getting outside of just a paycheck. Because to them, they feel like, I don't get a paycheck anywhere. But also, I don't want an employee that just is just there to work. I don't want nobody just there for a job. Mm-hmm. And I try, and, I try and, and feed those people out in the interview process. And the reason why I don't just want somebody that's just there for a job is because that means they're not going to care. Yeah. They're not going to care how the cupcakes are iced. They're not going to care how, how it's displayed. They're not going to put care into making the cakes. And, and for us, the one thing that makes our stuff so good is that it's made with love. It's made with care, right? It's not a box mix. There's no shortcuts added to it to make it have a longer shelf life. None of those things. Everything is made just like your grandmother would make it. If she was making it on Sunday for dinner on Sunday, it's made with love. It's made with care. We, we take care in the and the ingredients that we source, the ingredients that we use. So I want somebody who care about those things. We, we are a triple bottom line business, so we focus on people, planet, profit. Mm-hmm. And so that means that I need my employees to, to have, those same, have those same core integrities. I want my employees who understand about waste. Don't, don't you know, do your best not to throw things, you know, waste up trying to get our kitchen to a, z- a zero-waste kitchen, meaning that we try and use everything, all parts of every item that we have in the bakery. We try and minimize the ingredients that we're using so that we don't have a lot of spoilage in there, um, it's making sure that we don't have a lot of bacon enough so it's just enough of that day so we don't have a lot of leftovers for the next, you know, that we have to discount the next day. So I need somebody who care about that, understand that we're not making... So we sell a cake for $65. We're not making $65. I need a person to understand that. We sell that cake for $65, but when it's all said and done, all the expenses come out, of, we might make $8 from that cake yeah. with all the expenses. So that means making sure that you're putting, putting, putting your all into making that and making sure that it's not going to be returned, not going to go to waste. So, making sure, so I want somebody who, who understands those things and care about those things. Otherwise, then cupcakes not being iced, right? People are not making suggestions. They're just standing there when a customer comes in, not talk to a customer. Customer come in to get one cupcake. They're like, okay, that's it. I'm just bringing up the one cupcake. No, no, no concern about we, we need to sell everything that we have out today so we don't have anything to throw away or toss tomorrow morning when we come in. Hmm. So we're paying attention to all those things. So with that and, that, and that's deep that you just gave that process. And it's like, this is like, uh, as we say, April's like Michael Jordan when it comes to business. <laughs> 
So the questions, just the answers, like it's free flowing, and even in the free flowingness, it's still a process of knowing, yeah, like a Jordan, that the game can tighten up. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, the game still has to tighten up yep. because today the MVP of this year it's not next year is right. not going to be next year's MVP level. Exactly. Um, so let let's talk a little bit about the downtown location, a okay. different feel. Um, the grand opening, Detroit is different. We took pictures with, yeah. with Bill and stuff and everything. I remember it was like, yo, make sure we get the right, pictures. Right, make sure he getting this picture. Yeah, That's exactly. hilarious. That was like one of the most hilarious things this past summer. But uh, what is it like in there? And I've been, I've been there a couple of times too, mm-hmm. just in the mix, uh, a different feel, workflow. Uh, what's it like having a, a, a location and the difference between both just in culture? Oh, big difference, big difference. Um, so downtown location, we want to make sure that we were we understand we understand Livernois. We understand who our customer base mm-hmm. is on Livernois, right? Downtown is different because it is it's not people who live in that area, right? It's usually either people who work downtown who might go home to their sub to their suburban house, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's tourists. We get a lot of tourists down there wow. because we're so we're surrounded by so many of the sports arenas, right? And you have the people coming in from out of town for the other teams. And so we get a lot of tourists in there. Um, so one of the things is that we focus on making sure that we had different stuff than we have on Livernois because we didn't want to do – another thing we didn't want to do is Detroit is a big, small city. And I have fought all this time about having a second location because I didn't want to have cannibalism when it came to customers. Hmm. And what I mean by that is we did the holiday market in 2018 – in 2018, 2019, and we noticed that, for example, on a Thursday, if we have 160 customers who come on Livernois, when we open up downtown, we open up at the holiday market, we might have 115 customers on Livernois and 35 downtown. Mm. So we still getting those 140 customers that we would normally get, but some of them are you're going downtown. The, right. you're, you're splitting the the, the ticket. So right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of it's called cannibalism of customers mm-hmm. because we got two expenses. But we're splitting those two expenses with the same customers that would have just came to Living Waste. They would have Living Waste mm-hmm. if that was the only option, right? So how we figured that we was going to do downtown, downtown is by offering different stuff. So we focus a lot on breakfast items. So, like, we have a biscuit sandwich that you can get only on the weekends on Living Waste, but you get it every day downtown. Mm. Um, you get cinnamon rolls, breakfast sandwich, quiche every day. And then we change out the flavor of cake. We offer two cakes flavors a day, one vegan, one regular. And we change those out each day. We don't offer cupcakes downtown. Hmm. We'll never offer cupcakes downtown. You want cupcakes, you got to come on Liver Noise. Yeah. We offer a lot more coffee drinks downtown hmm. because right in our area, there's no coffee shops. So we're trying to cater to the people who work right in front of us and who work right around us. So we, we offer specialty coffees, not espresso, but close to it. But we offer different, a lot more beverage drinks down there. So we were very, very cognitive of who we wanted to service and what we wanted to service down there because we didn't want to take away from our Livernois customers. When, when you did that market research, as I know you're a business nerd like me, how did you go about the market research um, and then how much of that was also gut feel? Um, almost mo- most of it was gut feel because it was, I had said I didn't want another storefront location. Mm-hmm. For, it was for 10 years now, I've been saying, not going to have another location in Detroit. I'm not going to have another location in Detroit. Going to have a fulfillment center, not going to be a retail space, right? And the reason why was, one, one, one was that, and another thing is that I always felt like Having multiple locations and being uh, uh, from uh, from scratch kitchen 
is going to be hard because quality, controlling the quality of, ingredient, of, of your products. I need to make sure that everything tastes the same. You come on Living Waste, I want to make sure that the cookies, the brownies that you get on Living Waste taste the same way they're at every, any other store. And that's hard to do. If you're not using the mix. Yeah. If you're not using the mix, that's hard to do. So we don't use the mix. So everything is baked out, baked out of Livernoy and took downtown every morning. Mm. So every day, our delivery guy, he delivers hot breakfast sandwich, hot quiche, cakes, brownies, cookies. Every day, those get delivered downtown. So so the process now in the kitchen. So now as we talk about process, mm-hmm. what what shifted in the kitchen to boost that capacity of basically saying, all right now, we basically are are operating double time. Yep. What, uh, how did you maximize? Because now that's maximizing uh, productivity with staff, mm-hmm. productivity with equipment, mm-hmm. and productivity with space. Yep. So our so before before we had downtown, all of our bakers came in at six a.m. to two p.m. Mm-hmm. Well, when we opened downtown, because everything for downtown needs to be ready by seven fifteen, has to be downtown by seven thirty. Baker comes in at 4 a.m. Mm. So the bakers who, so we have a baker that comes in from 4 to 12. The bakers who work from 6 to 2 prep for her in the morning. Mm. So like the cinnamon rolls are made, they're, they do their first proof, then they, they're shake, going in the refrigerator. When she comes in in the morning, she just pulls them, puts them in a freezer. I mean, puts them in a proofer, let them proof, bake them. Cookie, dough is made, scooped. Put in the freezer. So when she come in, she grabbed those cookies out the freezer to scoop, put them on a tray, let them thaw, put them in the oven. So by from then she makes her biscuits, she makes her quiche, she makes her quiche, her biscuits, assemble her sandwiches. By seven o'clock, all that stuff is done. My mother is in at six o'clock to start packing that stuff up to go downtown. When the bakers come in at six o'clock, the oven is still the ovens are still occupied by the four o'clock person, and so they're doing all of their prep because nothing is a- able to go in the oven until seven o'clock. Until she's done with everything, then they can start baking. Okay. And so on Mondays and Tuesdays, it's easier because we don't open on Livernoy. Yeah. But on Wednesday, that's when it get real serious mm-hmm. because our baker come in at six. She has to do all the cupcake flavors. She has to do the cookies for the bakery for the day, brownies for the day. Um, Loaves, all those things, pound cakes, all those things have to be done before mm-hmm. we open at 11 o'clock. So at 7 o'clock when the, the 4 o'clock baker is done, it's like it becomes like, a, like an assembly line. Cupcakes in, cookies in, brownies, all those things, there's, there's an order. And so it took me and Autumn, the one you always see me talking to, it took us like three weeks. Three weeks as we opened downtown, we came up with a production. Mm. Like and it took us three weeks because we had one person, one one baker stuff done, and be like, oh dang, we she can't make she can't put layers in the oven because she need to do her cookies. So we had to go back and change hers. So it took us three weeks to get that, but to work the process, to work the process, to get it like go through it in our minds, and and give it to them and let them start doing like a trial of it and be like, okay, no, if that didn't work, so we got to change this. So on Monday, Cameron needs to do her cinnamon rolls for the whole week. On Monday, she needs to proof her first round of her dough. So on Mondays, she's making 300 cinnamon rolls on Monday so that they're ready to go for the week. On Tuesdays, and not only that, but we also have wholesale. 
So we do all the cookies and brownies for Breadless. That has to be delivered to Breadless on Wednesdays. So on Saturday, we're prepping up, we're making a dough for the cookies because they get 300 cookies, 300 brownies for their Detroit location, and now their Rochester location. So all these things have to be, all these things have to be added into the production. So we had to literally sit down and do that. And so that's the wonderful thing about having Autumn, is that she's good with processing. She's good with processing. She's another Spelmanite. So of course we know we're genius. Okay, I like it. Yes, and so the process. So we had to sit down and do the and do the process of those things, like figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And, and I also like the the way that you to- spoke to like another way I think of building better bonds and creating a better experience for staff is having them more included and inclusive in the process of the process like sometimes it's like hey this is and I'm very much that's like my style and my flow like look you know hey this is if if we playing football this is the goal I want to get here yeah, there you go. This is the best plan that I know, and I'm going to share the context with why I chose this method. Right. What do you all think? Yeah. So I ain't that. I'm not that um, uh, open. American. I'm not yes. that. No. So it uh-huh. is. This works. I'll I'll try it. Yeah. We'll try it, and uh-huh. we'll see. And if and if I see that you're able to do, because even so, I like to always say we're we're a democracy, but also a dictatorship, because I know how I want things done. I've tried every recipe. I know how it works. Don't alter the recipe without permission. Yeah. Don't alter it. So if, I, if I've done the recipe and it takes me 45 minutes to do it, it should take you 45 minutes to do it. Mm. Right? So when we, when we were doing the layout, we said, okay, 6 o'clock, this is what should be done. This should be done. And then if, when I hand it to you and, for example, I give you an example. The um, young lady who did, who, who's doing pound cakes, she has to make sometimes 40 pound cakes, right? Mm. And at, at, at first we was doing pound cakes and we were doing it in a cold oven, meaning that she had to make all of the batter, put all the cakes in the pan before she put them in the oven because you got to put the cakes in the oven and then turn the oven on. Yeah. Okay, that was working before we had downtown. That was working before we had breadless, um, second location. That was working. So then mm. because she came in at 4 o'clock, this, at the same time, Cammy came in on Mondays, but on Mondays nobody is open, so she Cammy doesn't have to do biscuit sandwiches. So that was perfect for Kim to do pound cakes. Right, come in at four, get her pound cakes together, get them in the oven by six o'clock when everybody else start coming in. Her cakes in the oven, oven able to be turned on. Then we got when we got downtown, and then we got breadless. That didn't work no more, so yeah. we had to go back to the process. We had to go back into the process and say, okay, we got to go back to the old way of. Making it regular with preheating the oven, yeah. Because we, I came in two times and um, Autumn was like, "Pound cakes in the oven yet?" Yeah. And people can't make their layers because they can't turn the oven on because yet. It's not, yeah. We right. Wait. And so we was like, "Okay, this isn't working anymore. This no longer works for us doing a cold bake oven because now we're stopping everybody else from able doing their stuff because all her layers are the all her layers the dough the batter is made for all her layers in the pan." But she can't put them in the oven because we can't turn the oven on yet because you're waiting. We waiting for her to finish her pound cakes, and so that wasn't working for us. It's that that started giving us a backup of stuff being done. So now people ain't getting off at two o'clock. So now my labor cost is going up. Yeah. So we was like, okay, that's not working no more. We got to go back to the old way. And so and it and it was and Kim had said that she's like, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to get 
all these cakes in the oven by 6 o'clock when everybody will start coming in. We said, well, let's try it and see. We tried it for two weeks because one time is not enough to say it's not working. So let's, let's try yeah. it a couple times. I, I think, um, and, and I like that you said, like, sometimes it's democracy, it's dictatorship. Right. It's yeah. it's all time based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, as much as I say, like, hey, this is the play, but it does get to a point where the rubber hits the road. especially somebody like to make a with some, Yeah, where, yeah, and that somebody usually is me. That's right. Because it's like these deadlines will come back to relationships that I have, and I understand where you're coming mm-hmm. from, but I still need to know what process you went through. So that's back right. to, like... The working collaboratively. Mm-hmm. Like, and let me see following. you do it. Yeah, I'm gonna come like, in at four with you, so yeah. that way I can watch you. Either I'm gonna come in or Autumn gonna come in. One of us gonna come in yeah. and watch you do it. So either it could be just that something that you're doing that once we show you this, you'd be like, oh yeah, you know what? That do make That's it so much it easier, right? Make, yeah, yeah, and exactly. Because it's also just a respect for like how I how I learn. And also, you guys are uh, learning right now. Like, you all are seeing right. like, a, a, a math problem from, like, uh, school. Like, this is where math problems from school become real life with good cakes and bakes story just problems. broke down. Yeah. It's like this is really a story problem with a lot of these variables where you're putting numbers together. And that needs to make sense because if not, comes the whole other lens of uh, something my dad always says. Managing a client's expectations, which is very key in oh, business. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very key in business. But you don't want to, um, you don't want to. I personally don't think that it is a business model that I would like to rely on to always be in the space of saying, all right, well, let me figure out, you know, who can deal with what less than what they expect all the time. Yeah. Hence, you want to meet that client with whatever that expectation is. Usually, you know how people say, you go over and beyond. Like, that sounds good on paper. You want it to be like that, but in reality, you just want to meet that expectation most definitely. If you can go over and beyond. Great. Excellent. You just don't want to go under. Exactly. You just don't want, you don't want the person to, you don't want, you don't want to give people False hope. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, you know what? I can do, and, and we do this a lot with- 4,000 cakes in two days. We do this a lot with Quicken. We we had to get them. We had to have a real conversation with them because they would send us an email like, April, hey, we need 14,000 brownies, but we need them by Friday. Yeah. It's Wednesday, ma'am. Yeah. It can't happen. So I had to have a conversation like, we would, we would love- The contract. Definitely would love it. Yeah. But you have to respect it. We are not robots. Yeah. We are a small business. We don't have a thousand employees. So we need a little bit more lead time. And so I'm not gonna say yes to it and then give you messed up product and then you don't then we lose you as a customer. I'd rather give you true expectations when we had this conversation. Nope, I can give me a week and I can have that all to you. I can't have it to you in two days. It's just not realistic. Yeah. Because then you'll respect me more because either you're gonna say, Yep, you know what, we're flexible. We can take it, we can do it in a week, or you're gonna say no. We can't, and you're going to move on, opposed to me saying, yep, and then failing on Friday when I can't deliver it to you. True. And nobody likes the ham fat, as they say. (laughs) The shade tree option. Right. So so this is all, like, in process and in flow. But also, as we know from our first interview, excellent interview, your your business is a collaborative of, uh, as you talked about it, uh, your mom's is so cool all the time. Every time I go in there, it's like your mom is is momming over the, the, the yeah, operation. Exactly. I like that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But um, but the investors are, are your family, too. So as things expand, uh, as processes change, when these big decisions are made, you know, you have other stakeholders that play their key stake in this as well. 
I have no stakeholders. So we have no investors. So we, we, but, have, we owe nobody money. Well, when I say say that, and I guess this is where I'm saying from the communal stakeholders. Oh yes, definitely. Family. Mm-hmm. The family, because you do have a strong support system that Definitely. does support the business. Definitely. And that's so when I speak, I'm always speaking from the lens of Detroit is different communal. Okay. But from the business lens, no. Definitely no. But that is what's shared. And I think that's, as you say, people talk about entrepreneurship. It's so great. That buy-in from those people closest to you is very, very, very important. From the beginning, it has been. I've had, I say all the time, I have a great support system. Michelle, my wife, my mother, my father, great support from the beginning because what I don't, Without my mother's help from the beginning, from day one, she, my mother was retired for 10 years before we opened the bakery. And she was like, I'm going to come and help until, mm-hmm. you know, to help you get started. She's been there since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And she come there every day, like, like she clocking in. She's oh, supposed yeah. to be there at 7 o'clock. She's there at 545, ready to work until the end of the shift. And with, because of that, it allowed me to be able to not have to be in the bakery as much at the beginning when it was when I needed to be out networking, finding resources to help us. I was able to do that. Some business people can't do that. Some people are in their business all the time, so they're unable to go to networking events, to these workshops, to these informational sessions that they have. And the one thing that the city has gotten better with is, is that they're now boots on the ground. So going to these businesses to talk to them and tell them about it. But when we first started, we didn't have that. If you didn't go to these meetings, if you wasn't out networking and stuff, you would find out about stuff when it was all gone. And and with that, also, my connection from that came uh, my work with Bill Mm -hmm. and and more. And shout out Regina. Um, Regina's amazing with so many things. Mm -hmm. But now having more of an understanding of Dehive and you being one of the people there and the context and getting more of the context for the Bill story in April. Well, you April, but April April oil. (laughs) Uh, And and the vision of where things are. Because, you know, like Detroit is different. 10 year is uh, 2024, which I'm looking forward to that. Uh, thank you, thank you, Bill. Like, 2012, it's like it's it's close enough. Like you can touch it, but it was still so long ago. Some yeah. of the other things going on in and around business yeah. in the sector, and it's back to the same process because the business ecosystem, the same way we adjust in process, starts adjusting in process yeah. to the flow of people as well on? and what's right. happening. Uh, and at that start, yes, it was very like one perspective of what a startup business looked like and a lot of businesses like yours didn't fit this whole idea like really everybody was making apps you know what i'm saying like let's make an app how do we make an app to Mm -hmm. do something you know what i'm saying we want to do this so it's like hey i want to do a bakery people looking at you like what 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 are you talking about some billion bakeries out here what you want a bakery for exactly you know what i'm saying it's like uh i want to uh you know have a landscaping business what People cut grass. Right. <laughs> That's not an app for that. Yeah, exactly. It's not an app. <laughs> Just grass. come cut your grass. Cut. Right. Grass. Yeah. So, like, the, the, so the, the need for those supports and services actually created more of a cohesive, um, the bonds and relationships as I've witnessed it now mm-hmm. and, and connecting and have a better understanding and also some more of the understanding for those that felt like they weren't as inclusive in that process. And it's still just iterations of learning. Oh, um, sure. And now as that block, 
you know, avenue of fashions back to the living room. Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing, you know, some of the stores are, are, are figuring out what they're doing, you yeah. know, with their locations. Mm-hmm. You know, some places look like they're going to open. What would you say is the pulse of that block now from some of the uh, from, from some of your neighbors? Uh, what's connecting? What's not connecting? What would you say? So two things is living noise is, is a is a bustling community great support from the five communities that surround it but also we still on we still an island mm. we still an island over there right and the reason why we're still an island over there is because there we don't have a true association over there anymore right so any information is me taking it to a business owner or they're finding out. So we're getting bits and pieces of information because we don't have the, organiz- the organizational support from a, an association that's going to get information, bring it to all the businesses. So we get a little bit of information from me, a little bit of information from Kim down at um, the skin bar. She is great with getting information, information grants, information to people. She's great with that. But we don't have what other communities, what other neighborhoods have, where they have a CDC or an association that is going to the meetings, going to the city council stuff, going down to the Coleman A. Young Building to get the information, what's going on, grant opportunities, funding opportunities for small business. We're getting it secondhand from... The, the businesses over here who might had talked to somebody and they told them about it, but we don't have a we don't have a support system over there that is going to get information and bring it to everybody. So they just had a grant at Christmas time. Um, Detroit means business for mm-hmm. small business to get up to a thousand dollar grant to do some type of Christmas activation. Yeah. Only two businesses on Livernoy got it. And those two businesses was was the Skin Bar and then Twenty One Century got it, and they got it by word of mouth. Somebody told them about it. Yeah. But if you look at the list, other communities, Midtown Inc., at least about fifty, sixty percent of their people, Southwest Detroit, fifty, sixty people, Grandma Rosedale, fifty, sixty percent of their their small business got it because they have those associations who is going to get the information and bring it back to their. They're, they're small businesses over there. Which uh, is interesting you you mention this, too, as you talk about Grandma Roselle as uh, somebody that's one of your mentees and homies, uh, Miss Savage, with everything yes. uh, that she does, the color and museum and everything, and going over there and seeing that they even have the, the association. So, so people get this idea. So the Grandma Rosedale Association has a, has like a small... Let's just say kind of like what I'm going to just say business incubation space Mm -hmm. for a person to basically spend about like half a year to kind of work the kinks out in their vision of their business to in their own way. And when I went in there and she explained that, I was like, this is like extremely cool. This is that is so cool to give a person the opportunity to go into a space with a low hanging fruit of only a six month commitment. Mm -hmm. But in that six months, you're able to like, okay, you know what? Even as you mentioned, Cherie, she had a whole a whole different idea when she went over there. Me and her had a conversation when she first was filling it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that would be great. But what you going to do during the week when you're not having, because yeah. she's only going to do the weekend. I said, what you going to do during the week? So she's like, oh, yeah, I should do some events. I was like, yeah, like a party, you know, girls night out or something like that. But this is a great opportunity space for her to be able to figure that out, like what's working and what's not working. Right? Low hanging fruit. 
I feel like all communities need to have that. And I agree. I thought that that was like such a cool concept because also just, you know, I've been more, you know, me more communal and personal, familial. Like sometimes the, the number one question you really got to ask yourself is you. Like I know this sounds crazy for people, but like really look yourself in the mirror and like are you willing to like right now if you got that space it's 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 january when this is out it's it's a foot of snow on the ground are you feeling like wiping your car off shoveling that snow and getting over to a location opening up and being ready to service possibly the three customers that come in there and those three customers may be people that will be customers for life or are you that type of person that looks at that and be like man ain't nobody really gonna be outside you know what i'm saying like you know and that'll be that one day that that one person is like, because I ain't got nothing else to do. I'm at the I'm crib. About to go I'm about door. to go yep. get there. Like, and, and and when I say this, I'm not trying to make this be your motive. I'm not George Frazier. I'm not trying to have this be the motivation to, to barrel through something that you don't want to do. But you don't really know until you get that opportunity. And to yeah. be able to get that opportunity through incubation versus signing like a three-year lease right, and, exactly. and, and bringing in equipment and, and trying to white box the space and yep. – if it's already ready and ready to roll, it can be so much easier. It is. Not only can it be easier, but it also can save a person so much money. Yeah. Because you can realize, and you might and you might go into that space, and in those six months that you're in there, you can realize, like, you know what? I don't really need a brick and mortar. Yep. This is an online business that I can ship out. I don't need to have a brick and mortar, right? Yeah. Before you sign that three-year lease, have that opportunity. I feel like all communities should have that and Grandma Rosedale is doing it right because they are and they had that space since 2014 2015 mm. that space has been available and they are so diverse about who they who they have in there so they're not like having the same type of people in there where some places might for example when Bill when Bill did theirs down they did one for right pre-COVID it was always clothing that mm-hmm. they had in there so that's not that's that's a good but we know how clothing works in there. We didn't did enough pop-ups in there that we know how clothing, because not only is it, it's, this, not only is it a learning opportunity for the entrepreneur, but it's also a learning opportunity for the CDC, right? For Grandma Rosedale, when they put somebody in there, they can realize, like, okay, you know what, that, didn't, that wasn't successful. We don't need to have that in there right there, right? And it, it, it becomes like if it's just one way or the other, you start feeling like, Oh, they only deal with these types of people. You, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like you start feeling like, well, exactly. I, I don't even know if you know what's over. I'm not gonna even apply because I'm not. They not. They not looking at. I'm not the type of person they want. Where Grandma Rosedale has been so, so diverse. They didn't had clothing there, which was the first one, which was Trisha Garage. She was the first pop up in that space, which was great. Then they even had lush yummy pies in there at one point. Um, Estelle desserts was in there two summers ago. Um, but they, it's diverse. Clothes been in there. Um, it's been a, a yoga a yoga studio. It's been so many different things because, again, they're trying to provide something different for the community, right? Because if it becomes the same old thing, then people aren't coming in like, oh, I know it's up there. It's closed up there. But every six months is something new. Not only is it's, it's energizing the strip, but it's also energized the neighborhood because the neighborhood be like, oh, dang, we got something different up here. Oh, let me go up here and see. Coloring Museum is up here. Oh, my God, this is great, Right. They leave if they bring in maybe someone who is doing meal prep in there. Pick up your meal prep from there. It's, a, it's January. People want to lose weight. People dieting. Great opportunity for a person who has meal prep to go into a space, 
not use the space to make the meals. You're still in a commercial kitchen that you was in already, but you have a place for people to pick up their meals. So now you now you realize, like, you know what? I, I do need a space. I got so much more business when people had a central location where they come pick up their food from. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and things like that, I think, will manifest more. Yeah. As, as we say, like, as the ecosystem mm-hmm. changes, like, people start recognizing, like, some of the niches and the nuances and where things do connect. Now, let's get into, I guess, another thing that's happening, not just living away, but just Detroit throughout. Okay. Um, it was a big boom as we talked about things change of restaurants just popping up throughout Detroit. I would say probably like 13 to oh, about yes. 19. Everybody coming from New York. And in so many different restaurants, mm-hmm. whereas now some of those restaurants, especially post-COVID, um, have, you know, getting their foot in to stay open and everything, the restaurant industry. Now we just both are having on our industry, our, our business hats, you know, being business nerds. What do you think is making it so difficult for some of these business, some of the restaurants to really find their footing? And just so people know, restaurants and bars are the toughest businesses, there is. period. Like, mm-hmm. like if you ever go to a business school, and, and I've taken a lot of business school classes, and probably like, you know, 40% of the people in the class want a bar or restaurant, (laughs) but, but, and, and every professor will tell you it's very tough, but it seems even more tough because some of the places with the, with the larger banners seem to like making that connection. Um, what's making it difficult for some of the Detroit restaurants to get their footing? So I feel like that it is people not knowing the community. Mm-hmm. So you're putting these restaurants in places, but you're not figuring out what's needed. You figure, you feel like, oh, I know what they need. Mm-hmm. So you put these restaurants, especially if you're putting them outside of downtown. If you're putting them outside of downtown, you definitely need to make sure that the people that are surrounding you is going to be able to afford it, want to eat it, and, and that you're, feeling, you're welcoming to those people. Because if you're not, you're not going to survive. I don't care how good your food is. I don't care how much money you put into your build-out. If your space is not welcoming and inviting to the community that the anchors you, you're not going to last. Can you expand a little bit on a welcoming restaurant? And, and we're speaking in widgets form. Yes, That's another okay, widget sure. term, <laughs> uh, a business term of like, you know, not nothing specific. But like, what would make a place welcoming? What makes a place welcoming is is that you're you 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 spoke to the community that you that, that you moved into. The people who live over there can afford what you're offering. They understand what you're offering, offering so that they can eat it. Right? It doesn't make sense to go into a neighborhood that is ninety percent African American. Sixty percent of those African Americans live on a fixed income, mm-hmm. but you opened a sushi bar. Mm-hmm. Who are you servicing? Yeah. So yeah, you are you you have a great build out, great decor. So you are gonna get people from other communities. But when the shit hits the fan, the neighborhood is to support you. And people should have learned that during COVID. So a lot of we talking about a lot of these restaurants closed during COVID. Yeah. Because they they had no connection to the community that was around them. Mm. So when people when people had to shelter in place and stay home, the restaurant that was anchored to their house. Wasn't, a, wasn't welcoming to them when pre-COVID. So no, I'm not about to walk around the corner and, and get a carryout meal from them because 
They didn't welcome me when I, when, they, when I could walk in there and get something and sit down and eat. I couldn't afford the stuff they offering. So, no, that's not a business that I care to support enough to make sure that they're still there. And, and, and I also pose this because it, it shocked me and, you know, just in my business mind. And I definitely I was like, oh, I'm definitely hitting April with this, too. Because even the McDonald's on Linwood and Davidson, that's been closed for a while. Uh, the Burger King, I guess it was like one uh, franchiser yeah, company the that King. basically Burger had King was the, an exception, right? the Burger King right. uh, contract for all of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was something to negotiate. I'm sure if I was in the room in the books, just my business nerdness, I would love to sit in that room and see what those negotiation points would be. Because Burger King is, is won't exist. And, and I remember historically saying, like, yo, I've never seen a McDonald's clothes other than the one on Dexter most of my life. Right. The, the Dexter McDonald's, I, I'm very aware, well aware why that location. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But the number one reason is it didn't have a, a – a, um, the uh, the freeways. It didn't really have a freeway entry. Um, so it was tougher for that. But some of the fast food is even tougher in some of these communities now. And they're closing – in the midst. What do you think even is that impact because you think that these would be around? Nope. So two things is is that so for example, the Burger Kings to close, it was be closed because costs, right? Mm-hmm. He was going to get his products from someplace else because it was costing him too much money to get his products from the, the franchise. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 those and those problems came in because of wages. So post-COVID, everybody, people don't want to work. I'm gonna, let me take that back. I'm not going to say people don't want to work. People don't want to work for... What you're offering. Right. They want... There's a, there's, there's a billion side hustles. Mm-hmm. There's DoorDash. There's Uber Eats. Because those those was prevalent before COVID. But during COVID, they, they, they skyrocketed, yes. right? And so with that, meaning people got accustomed to that. Oh, dang. I ain't got to get out of my house to go. To McDonald's, I can just I order it. I don't mind paying the extra $10. There you go. Exactly. To, to, get, to stay in my house, yeah, right? Yep. So those people are making good, good living off of that, right? Hmm. So in order for us to get employees for, I'm saying when I say us, I mean fast food restaurants. Yeah, right? yeah. We're speaking, right. like we say, we're putting the business hat on. Yep. So in order for us to get employees, we got to pay them more. Hmm. So now by paying them more, we can only raise our prices so much because we have to stay within a market Pricing because we're franchise, right? Mm-hmm. So now, because we got to offer our employees, we was used to paying our employees nine dollars and twenty five cent, eight dollars, whatever the minimum wage was, maybe five cent above the minimum wage. Now we got to pay them twelve, fifteen dollars an hour. That's cutting into our profits. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and figure out a way to cut my costs. And how I'm gonna cut my costs is by going someplace else to get cheaper food to cut my costs, right? So you see restaurants closing. Fast food place closings because they can't afford to pay that price for employees. So, do you think that with the fast food restaurants closing, mm-hmm. it will provide an open window for some restaurants to exist in some of these markets? Like, like what? What do you? I mean, right now, this is completely hypothetical. Right. To, so I, don't, to I don't know. I don't know if 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 a restaurant would be able to go into that unless it's another franchise because it, because for just a regular restaurant to go into that space, their pricing is, is going to be low like a McDonald's would be. Well, McDonald's ain't low no more. Yeah. I went to McDonald's not too long ago and I was paid ten dollars for a hamburger and French fries and a soda. Mm. Mm. I was like, what happened to five dollars? 
So so with this, it's back to like what you said, the root of welcoming. So it could be an opportunity for yeah, a small for business sure. mm-hmm. to take advantage of this. But they better know this the is like you have to know the community. You got to know the community. And you got to know your numbers because mm-hmm. more so just between me and you, this is why restaurants and bars are so tough. They don't know their numbers. Because the knowing your numbers, meaning a restaurant is the toughest business to know if you're making profit or not. And I know that sounds crazy, but you know, like you, you need to know, okay, I'm making uh like the classic, the, the discussion we had before. It's like the sandwich I may, maybe making 40 cents off of, but for the large fry, I'm making basically, you know, you buy the $2 large fry, I'm making dollar 80 cents profit. Mm-hmm. So we bundle both and I'm making, you know, basically, you know, I'm making two twenty off of that sale. Right. But I need to sell the sandwich to get you to buy the fries. Right. Yep. Exactly. So I got. I'm, I'm taking a little loss yes. to get you to get to what my to profit, profit generation, what my, what, right? What my biggest profit is. item is, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the fries and the soda. Yes. The soda costs the business like eighteen cent a cup. Yep. Because I don't care what size soda you order. You getting the same amount of liquid because I'm gonna fill it up with ice. Yeah. So I need you to get the whole. I'm losing if you just buy the sandwich alone. Mm-hmm. I'm winning when you buy the sandwich and the drinks and stuff, right? Because to add that drinks and the fries to that order is gonna cost you two dollars and eighty nine cent. It's only gonna cost me like sixty cent to get to to to, to get that, that over to you, right? Exactly. And, and, and this is and and when you're a small business and don't have the resources of like. A franchise, a corporate franchise, working those margins with new right, menu exactly. items and all that new stuff. New menu items, also easy. with buying power. Restaurants yeah. get, I mean, franchise corporation restaurants, sure. they get their stuff at a cheaper price because they have a guarantee. They have, they make a contract with a business. Yeah. You know what? You sell it to me, pennies on the dollar. I'm going to give you millions of dollars because you're going to have all of this whole this whole region has to buy from you. Yeah. So you might not be making. Seven dollars, like you would make if you sold over there, but we gonna you gonna sell it to me for three dollars. But you gonna get you gonna be making millions of dollars because you gonna you got the contract for all of the all of the franchise in that region, right? Mm-hmm. A restaurant can't do that, so I can't buy a whole warehouse of flour. I can't go to King Arthur and say I'm buying the whole I'm buying your whole lot <laughs> for the whole year, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna take it. So give it to me at, at the best price you can because no, I gotta buy it as I need it. Incrementally. Yeah, exactly. It now goes back to 360, the recall of how this started. You you need to have an experience because I'm going to charge more. Right, exactly. But you'll come for that experience. That experience it's, looks right. Bars are going through some of the same thing as I don't know if a lot of people know this, alcohol itself. In, in like younger generations are just not connecting to alcohol the same way. I think with obviously like marijuana becoming more uh, prevalent, uh, it, it legalized throughout the nation. Uh, and also the health consciousness. I mean, alcohol has a lot of sugars in it. Uh, it's not the same. Now, older crowds, yeah, we drink it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like under 30, like mm-hmm. my friend that uh, owns a distillery, he was like, yeah, man, we did this under 30 event um, for like, kind of like, you know, like business who's who. They bought 2,000 tickets worth of liquor and only like about 600 were used. Where it's like, yeah, if this would have been the 90s, people would have been Boy, like, oh, that would <laughs> They'd have been like, hey, forget that. I don't need a ticket. What right, a- give me some more. <laughs> right, exactly. So bars are kind of experiencing some of the same feel as well 
What do you think will be the pivot for some of the bars to to adjust to this? They're gonna have to again. It's that's why you have a lot of bars who bring in hookahs and stuff like that because they got to figure out what else can we offer to get people to spend money because a cover that's not gonna cover it. Yeah, alcohol is where we make our money. That's where we make our biggest profit. Our profit generator. Exactly. Exactly. Not the food or any of that. It's the alcohol. So experience. So that's why you have when they have those drinks that got where they got the dry ice and nitrogen in it where it's floating because it has to be it has to be it has, not only does it have to not only does it have to like almost dance for you, but it also has to be Instagrammable. Mm. Again, everything is about appearance for Instagram. Right? Yeah. So it has to be Instagrammable. So people have to when you're when you're in a service thing, a service business, you have to think about. It's sad to say, but how Instagrammable is that experience going to be? Mm-hmm. When you plate that food up, is people going to be able to take pictures and put on? Is, are they going to want to take pictures and put on social media? Wow! Because again, we're in a world where if it ain't on Instagram, it didn't exist. That's interesting because usually when I'm out with. And it's like, I'm 41, but people be like, you act so old. Like, I don't do that. Yeah. But when I'm out, definitely, like, younger, like... Oh, uh, for sure. Like, my goddaughter or something. They like, don't touch The first thing she... Do, yes. They even, don't touch. Even my meal. It's right. like, she like, let, let me see, wait, let, let me take see. picture first. first. Yeah. Let me take a picture first, right? And so, again... It's like, I so, want my chicken wings. Right, exactly. Right, can I eat? I, I, I got to take it. And then I got to turn the plate around. And yes. They be like, back up from it. I'm like, no, I want to get... No, back up so I take a picture of it. So it has to be Instagrammable. Mm. Because it don't exist. It's not you can go tell your friends how good it was, but they be like, "Oh, what? I didn't see that. I didn't see that in your story. Oh, I didn't take a picture of it. Oh, I'm not going. Mm. I'm not going because mm. I live my life on social media. I live. I'm. Everybody wants to be an influencer. Yeah. Right. So I need to be places and show pictures of those things. So if it's not a place that I can go and take a picture of. Nine times out of ten, I don't want to go. Which which leads me right into, it's so funny, I didn't think I would drive <laughs> here as, as we get closer to the close, but it, y'all see April, oh, April, she may actually be doing a podcast, which I would definitely love to, y'all see this energy? I, you know I want to get more of this game. <laughs> I know how much I love talking and I just be sitting up, just soaking it up for April. But the Keith Lee thing, Atlanta, oh, yeah. a, as you talk about like Instagram and so it's a influencer as they call them but but like he was an mma fighter that has just gone to like rating and reviewing restaurants Mm -hmm. and he has some takes on some of the atlanta food experiences and just the the quality of service versus the cost and it not matching up and like what it takes so i don't know how many people travel to the a uh definitely your alma mater town and i'm there i'm there on before before last year that that was my birthday trip. Every every birthday, it was spent in Savannah and Atlanta. Okay, and you had a Keith Lee experience. Like, not again. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I so it's so funny because there's been several times that I've been there in Atlanta, and I didn't go to places because they have these fifteen thousand rules uh, about. It. And it's because mm. I feel like it's because Atlanta has they have so many. Like reality shows filmed there, yeah. So everybody's a celebrity, right? Mm. And so you have all these celebrity-based restaurants, and they feel like it's a privilege that you get to come and be in my space. Mm. It's not a privilege for me that you're here. It's a privilege to you that you're here. I, I went to one, and it was, it was okay. Like it wasn't, you know. And I guess, I guess it's back to like the the expectations. Of what I have, like I haven't gone to Slutty Vegan yet, but I, I been there do. I don't it's do like I keep hearing about the line where it's just like, all right. I mean, I don't know. 
I almost be like, all right, if I wait, it's like well, see, roller coaster. I don't, think, I don't think the line is like the that anymore because we went, we went to a restaurant that was right next door to it, and it was mm-hmm. and it was no line. Well, the first day we went, it was a line. The second time we went, okay, it wasn't a line. But I didn't go because I don't eat vegan food, yeah. so I have no desire to go to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that that's different. They. People that love experience that experience. That's of what, an experience. What has right? been created that's, of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's how that's how she drew draw people in, even mm-hmm. non-vegans. It's because of the experience. When you come in there, if you watch I've never like I've never been, but I've seen I see it on social media. Every person that walks in gets the same experience. Yeah. It ain't that, oh, you're a celebrity. So we get everybody that walks in, they start, they screaming at you, yelling at you, happy to see you. Thank you for coming. Almost like a celebration that you yeah. hear. Right. But then you go to some places and it's not that way. No. But, and again, just like you said, expectation. If you're going, I don't go to a celebrity restaurant expecting excellence. Hmm. Interesting. But I've gone to some and I was like, I was. Wow, this I was, was better than, it's like, it's like, who would think the Guy Fieri's on the outside of a, uh, of, 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 of Hollywood, uh, Florida would be amazing like this. So right. No offense to Guy Fieri. Right. But you, know but you, you would yeah. think that, right? You, I don't go there with the expectation that. I'm going to get excellent service or excellent food because I'm going there because of a name, mm-hmm. not because of any type of food experience. But I've gone to some and I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised. surprised that, yeah. um, I, you know, I understand um, Keith Lee's experience with Old Lady Gang. Mm-hmm. I've been there twice and it was wonderful for me both times. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was this was when they first opened. Yeah. Um, and we know in the arc of business, certain things can change. Right, exactly, right, exactly. And, you know, if things become more popular, you do have to put set some rules in order to have it. So, you know, I understand the rules of no carry out on the weekends mm-hmm. because they are, like, extremely busy. Yeah, and... And, and it's a tourist place. Mm-hmm. It's a Pre-COVID, you, you rarely would go into a sit-down restaurant asking for carryout. That wasn't an option before COVID, right? Yeah. That wasn't an option before COVID. You couldn't go to a restaurant, a, a dining restaurant and for carryout. Yeah. That happened during COVID. And if some and if some people don't need that added income because they're they're back to a hundred percent like they were pre-COVID, then they you can't be upset that they don't have carryout. Which I, I'm still upset about some of my favorite Mediterranean restaurants still haven't come back in Detroit area. It's like, it's, I like it's like, I need you all to come back. Yes. I need you all to come back. I so, know yeah, so I understand that, but I also understand the frustration when you go into a restaurant and they have all these rules of what you can and can't do. <laughs> and you, everybody at the table has to buy a drink. I don't drink alcohol. What you mean I got to buy a drink? You got 90 minutes to to finish. To finish, but but it, it, take it, it takes you out to bring my food. To bring, bring my food, food out here, yeah, right? So and so like, now I got to yeah. rush to eat my food because in ninety minutes you you coming over here to tell me to leave. So the expectations have to match. There's restaurants. My favorite restaurant that I'm going to next week in Chicago, Virtue. Yeah. They have the same ninety minute rule. But let me tell you what the difference is. Everything comes when it's supposed to come. You're done eating way before 90 minutes. So now you got like 20 minutes to just sit there and talk about how much you enjoyed the meal. Mm. Everything, they take your whole order when you sit down. So the expectation is, I need you to leave in 90 minutes. So I'm going to make sure that you have a great experience on night. You're not going to feel rushed. You're not going to be waiting for your food. So when your 90 minutes is up, you're not going to be upset like, dang, I didn't even get to finish my food. Expectations have to meet. So with that, 
and we get into a close. And, and I got a new classic question for you, too. But before we get to that, expectations meeting. What do you see for the future for this food Detroit industry? What 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 do you think will come? Because, I mean, you you on the inside track of a lot of this stuff. What are we going to see in 2024? I feel like in 2024, two things is going to happen is that people are going to either get their stuff together. When I say get their stuff together, making sure that their customer service, their food, and their experience line up. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to either get that together or they're going to lose customers. And when you lose customers, then you end up eventually shutting down. So those things, people are going to demand an experience for their money. Because money is not just freely flowing no more. Mm-hmm. You People working for their money, every dollar they have to be able to justify spending that dollar. So if those three things don't line up, you're not going to have customers. And people are seeing that. You have these restaurants that open and they, they're bustling to begin with. But as slowly but surely, it starts to fall off. And the reason why is because experience, customer service, food does not align. And when I say align, I mean align with pricing. Mm-hmm. You can't charge me $25 for three chicken wings, but my chicken wings come out undone. It takes an hour for them to come to me. And when they do come to me, they're not, they not hot. They're, they're lukewarm. Oh, yeah. Experience. Experience. Pricing does not match up with customer service. And then you say something to the staff, they're like, oh, I don't have to tell you. Or they're not trained enough to know how to handle that situation. So customer service, experience, and food has to line up. Okay. All right. All right. I love it. <laughs> and let me do this. Uh, in, in, in When I say public, internet publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for helping with the collard green cook-off. The cornbread muffins came from good cakes and bakes. And we actually used that in the hook. It's like, hey, you're going to get some cornbread that you know you're going to like. But it was an excellent event. Talk about an experience. Um this year, April will go. She's you're gonna be. I'm gonna be a part of this year. I'm going to. Ju- I'm gonna judge. When I say this, hey, hey, Simon Cowell will have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I went through the collard green rubric with April. It was like, well, you know, it's about the pot looking. Right. So yeah, that pot looking gotta be good. Seasoning gotta be good. Come on, they gotta be able to absorb my cornbread. So it gotta be enough. Come on, there's some there 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 is some things that it's just not about greens being cut and cooked. There is some steps to this. So so it will be so much more fun actually have an April in the mix of what we're gonna do. Um, always an anchor in so much in business community. Uh, family and a lot of game uh, and, and a friend to all. If you if you can catch April in passing, you can get some of the game. <laughs> but you got to catch it in passing because y'all see the business wheels are turning. Always. So here's the new question. Your favorite adjective. Hmm. My, favorite, my favorite adjective is seriously. Why? Because I'm sp- one thing I'm always serious, but no, more so it's because it's my way of getting people to think. Hmm. So you ask me a question or you make a comment and I say seriously. And then it make you like, oh wait. Yeah. Or you ask me a question, like, how you do this? And I'd be like, seriously? 
And you'd be like, why do you say seriously? Because you're asking me that because you didn't think about it. And then they'll, then they'll think about it. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I can figure it out. Yeah. So that's my favorite. I do that all the time with my nieces, my nephews, my mm. teammate, team members, everybody. And they ask me a question. I'd be like, seriously? You're asking me that? So it makes them sit back like, oh, dang. Am I seriously asking that? No, I'm going to figure it out myself. Nope, I'm not asking you that. Nope, I'm not asking you that. Mm. Because we have we gotten to such a point where everybody wants don't want to think for themselves. When I say that, I mean they don't want to figure it out. No critical thinking. Critical thinking is a lost art form. Oh my God, it is. And so I, I want people to I want people to think. I want you to figure it out yourself. I don't need to, I don't want I don't need to spoon feed you everything. And I know that come that that comes from the generation of from us Generation X wanting to give our kids better than what we had, so we want to help them with everything, give them everything. And what that has made them, it has made them lazy. Mm. It's made them lazy where they, instead of trying to figure it out, they're asking you the question. So I always, my thing is seriously, because I want you to think, you're very smart, you're intelligent, I know you are, you don't need me to tell you. And when I say seriously, it it seriously makes you go back, stop, not want me to give you the answer because you're like, oh, dang, no, I don't want you to answer for me. And you figure it out. Or you might not be able to figure it out. Be like, and you'd be like, yeah, I tried to. I can't. And then I. Then the assistance. Right, exactly. Out. But I want you to try first. But it, it's, it's kind of the old school math. It's like yep. show your work. And, and, and like, even in the wrong answer, if I can know how you got, how you got there, there, I can help you. And I can help in yep. the process because you were obviously at one point heading in the right direction. Right. And, and, and this and little one not, line right here yes. threw you off. So mm-hmm. I need to know that you at least attempted. And let me help you figure out what you where you messed where you messed up at, all right? Or what what you skipped. Yes. Because you're going right, you're going right to get the right answer, but you just missed a step. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you did, and then I can tell, and I can, and I can stop you when you get when you mess when you mix mess up. But I don't want to do your work for you. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite thing. I say it to people all the time. Even if people send me a text message, and I respond like, "Seriously, that's I like my only it. answer." I like it. I yep. like it. So, like I say, thank you again. Thank you. Michelle going to be coming on here soon oh, with yeah. so much more. And, and y'all know, it's like, you talk about seriously. It's like, <laughs> uh, Michelle be serious with it. Oh, yes. So serious. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but definitely all the love. Um, and... April knows she's probably going to see me next week, and I won't be getting not it. Next week, we don't open next week. We don't open back okay. up to the 8th, January the 8th. Well, January 9th downtown, January 10th on Livernoy. So, yes. Okay, so January 10th, I will be there. Oh, because on January the 10th is when we are debu- debuting our chicken pot pie every day. Oh man, I, I I had a I had a sneak preview. See, this is this is having homies in good places. <laughs> I had a sneak preview. Excellent. Yes, because it's excellent, and it's different because again, it has the like the pie crust bottom, then a good filling, and then it has a biscuit topping. It's gonna it's gonna almost make you want to get a common cold just so you can have it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so on the tenth, when you come in on the tenth, we will have that for you. I'm buying that, it's it's something being added to the order. Being added to the order. There you go. Because right now you need to stop buying that KFC pot pie. Oh, that's not good at all. But in the options of pot pies, yeah, better exactly. than Marie Antoinette. But this one right here, boo, about to take it over. Exactly. And you know, I wish they say would bring back their pot pie soup, but. Oh, I never had that. I love their wings. Oh, I know. It's like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, but I, I talk about other, other science stuff going on and everything. Love it. Thank you so Thank much, you. April. Thank you so much for having me. Peace.
Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.